excited about your message today because it's a message that everybody in the room needs to hear and uh, many that are not in the room need to hear. A man once prayed like this. He said, Lord, bless me and my wife, my son John and his wife, us four and no more. A childless couple prayed, Lord, bless us too, and that'll do. And an old bachelor prayed, Lord, bless only me. That's as far as I can see. For many people, me and mine is all they think about. Me and mine is all they live for. In fact, one of the biggest problems in the United States today is selfishness. Self-centeredness. And we may not want to admit that, but it's the truth. For the most part, we are more concerned with our lives, with our likes, with our dislikes, with our wants, than we are with those of others. Many are more concerned with self than they are with their own spouse. Many are more concerned with self than they are their own children. Some are even more concerned with self than they are with the Lord God Almighty. Now, I'm not saying that we are totally selfish people. I know that we have good days. Good days when we think of others more than ourselves. But overall, even Christians are pretty self-centered creatures. Friends, while selfishness is the way of the world, while selfishness is the way uh, most people think and most people live, listen carefully, if you're listening, say amen. It should not be that way with Christians. Jesus Christ did not live for himself. Jesus Christ lived for others. In fact, his whole life revolved around ministering to others. Undoubtedly, friend, the greatest thing that we can give for another is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. If they come to believe that Jesus is their Savior and they're willing to surrender their lives to Him, then someday they will go to heaven and there ain't no better gift than that. Psalm 126 tells us what we need to know in order to grow. What we need to know as Christians in order to grow. What we need to know as a church family in order to grow. Will you read with me in Psalm 126, just one verse today, so you know what that means, right? 
Huh? Nothing. Nothing, right. Verse 6 of Psalm 126. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In order for the body of Christ to grow, in order for a Christian to grow, the servant must first go. Verse 6 said, He who continually goes, who continually goes forth. Friend, the going is the starting block of sharing Jesus with other people. Luke 19, verse 10 the Bible says, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Which came first, the seeking or the saving? Say it loud if you know it. The seeking. The seeking has to come before the saving. Preacher John Wesley once said, The church must go to the lost or it will go into oblivion. Someone else put it this way. Any church that is satisfied to hold her own is on her way to the cemetery. One preacher said, if we don't go, then we're goners. If we want them coming down the aisle, we have to go down the street. They will not seek. They must be sought. I believe that preacher was right. Do you? If we have any interest in growing as believers, if we have any interest in this church family growing, we're going to have to go. We're going to have to go in some form or another. Now that going may be participating in the Grow Outreach Ministry that you're going to hear more about. It may be sharing Jesus while you're at work. It may be inviting a neighbor or a friend to come and worship and study and fellowship with your church family. But some kind of going has got to take place if we truly care for others like Jesus did. I wonder how many people live within just five miles of this church who have never had a visit from it. You see, sinners are not commanded to go to church. Did you know that? Sinners aren't commanded to go to church, but the church is commanded to go to sinners. Servants must go. There's going to have to be some kind of going in some form, some shape, or another in order for you to grow and in order for the body of Christ to grow. But not only must the servant go, but also that psalm in verse 6 tells us that tears must flow. Did you hear it? He who goes forth weeping. Weeping. Now, most of us have cried over something. We've cried over somebody. They may have been real and they may have been fake. You may have known them and you may not have. You may have cried over a movie or cried when Bama lost. You haven't shed a tear in a long time, amen. We've cried over the loss of money. 
We've cried over the loss of material things. We've cried over the loss of a job. But listen carefully. Have you ever cried over people? Have you ever wept over the lostness or the hurts of people? It's been said that the reason we have so many dry baptistries is because we have dry eyes. Boy, that hurts. Amen. Could it be true that the church, maybe even our church, that we have passion without compassion? In Matthew 9, Matthew says that, that Jesus went all through the towns. He went all through the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease, healing every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he was moved. When he saw the crowds, he was moved for he had compassion for them. See, whenever Jesus saw hurting people, whenever Jesus saw helpless people, he had compassion on them. What about us? Do you have a heart for people? Some people can't even listen to a sermon long enough. To get a heart for people. Do you have a heart? Do you have a heart for people? Do you have a heart for the hurting? You don't have to go very far. Do you have a heart for the helpless? Do you have a heart for the lonely? For the divorced? For the widows and widowers? Do you have a heart for the homeless? Do you have a heart for the harlots? Do you have a heart for the children? What is it going to take to get us weeping, weeping over the souls of men and women, boys and girls? What is it going to take? Is it going to take the death of another lost loved one? How many of you have had loved ones to pass that you knew did not have a relationship with Jesus. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Is it going to take another tragic accident involving a teenager? 
before we have a heart for young people? What's it going to take? Brothers and sisters, listen carefully. Somehow, somehow, some way, we need to get the compassion of Jesus. We need the heart of Jesus for people. We need the heart of Christ for people that will cause us to do and cause us to live, cause us to go, and maybe even cause the tears to flow. Because you're not going to grow, and this body of Christ will not grow unless the servants are willing to go and those tears can flow. Something else that must occur, according to that psalm, is that seeds must be sown. Seeds must be sown. He who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing. Guess how much harvest farmers get when they plant no seed? If I grow a corn crop, but I don't plant no seed, how much corn am I getting? Zip. Nothing. Farmers don't, who don't sow any seed don't get no crop. And there will not be a harvest of souls without sowing some gospel seed. It will not occur. And surprisingly, God can use the worst of sermons. To sow some seed. Ask me how I know. Sometimes God will use the worst of witnessing to sow some gospel seed. Guess me how guess how I know. I've shared this with the Wednesday night crew. One time I was out just going door to door, sharing my faith, asking how I could pray. And this water, this old lady was watering her garden. And she saw me coming, and she turned that hose on me. She said, get off my property. It didn't matter. I was sowing some gospel seed. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus told the 12 disciples, he said, as you go, preach the message. Acts 8, 4, those that were scattered about, preached the word wherever they went. As the people went, they were talking about the word of God. As the people went, everywhere they went, they preached the word of God. They were telling people about Jesus. They were telling people how to have a relationship with God. They were telling people what the word of God said. They were telling people what their church was doing. Everywhere they went, they were preaching the word. They sowed that gospel seed everywhere they went. At work, at Walmart, at the mall, at Foodland, at Joe Wheeler, at Stanfields, at the Fish Creel, at the ballpark, in the golf course, out in the lake and at school. Everywhere they went, they were sowing gospel seed. Read about one man who told his friend, Hey man, let's go play around the golf this Sunday morning. And that guy said, well, I can't go Sunday morning. I go to church on Sunday morning. And that friend said, well, I don't know what kind of church you attend, but 
you can keep it to yourself. Because I've invited you to play golf on Sunday morning over a dozen times, and you not once have invited me to your church. Friends, could it be? Could it be that some people are just waiting for an invitation? Could it be that simple? Could evangelism in modern day churches be that simple? Just invite them to come? To come and see for themselves? Well, listen, people become Christians by hearing the good news of Jesus. Romans 10 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if they are invited to come here and they manage to get here even on a blizzard-like Sunday morning, amen, guess what they're going to hear? They're going to hear the word of God. Friend, listen, I know, yes, we're supposed to live by faith. We're supposed to show a life of faith. But listen, at the same time, we got to tell people. We got to tell people when we're given the opportunity. And I believe that when we get serious about the telling, God will provide ample opportunity. The question is are you serious? Are you serious about the going? Are you serious about the weeping? Are you serious about the sowing? Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. There is not one person you know, not one person in your sphere of influence that cannot be gloriously and miraculously saved by the good news of Jesus Christ, if you'll tell them. If you'll tell them. Or invite them to come here where they will hear it. Somebody just might be saved. Friend, if this gospel, if this piece of good news about Jesus Christ is true, then we got to be about giving it away. You received it as a gift. Now, it's high time for us to give it away to, as a gift to somebody else that doesn't know the Lord. If the body of Christ is going to grow, if you as a Christian are going to grow, then you must get off your backside and go. You must allow the tears to flow, and you must be willing to sow some gospel seed. But there's a glorious result that comes as a result of all this, and that is the harvest will be shown. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless, there ain't no doubt about it, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, if you're listening, say amen. We reap what we sow. We reap 
what we sow. Say that with me. We reap what we sow. Let that one sit for a second. In your marriage, in your relationship with kids and grandkids, in your own Christian life, in the body of Christ, at work, with your friends, we reap what we sow. That means you get what you give. Amen? If you don't give any, you ain't getting any. It's a universal truth that fits almost everything you do. When it comes to the GROW outreach ministry and the efforts to reach beyond these four walls, if we, as a body of Christ, as a church family, have gone and gone and gone and gone with compassionate hearts, and we've sown the gospel seed, with our voice and with our lives, with our actions and with our attitudes, there will be a harvest of souls. Doubtless, without a doubt, there will be a harvest of souls. The harvest will be shown. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But he doesn't stop there. Because the next sentence out of his mouth, he says, ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Because Jesus said ask, we're going to ask right now. Let's pray. Jesus, O Lord of the harvest, we as a church family come together in the bounds of love and compassion and grace and forgiveness and a desire to please you, and we plead. We beg, Lord, that you would send out workers, workers into the harvest field, your harvest field, Father, to bring in the glorious harvest of souls that you desire. You said, Ask. Lord, we're begging. Hear our prayers, oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. That harvest out there is plentiful, y'all. As I was driving to church this morning and I saw the snow covered every field, it almost looked like the harvest was ready. Amen? It looked like cotton was everywhere. 
It was awesome. The harvest is plentiful, and it's everywhere. And listen, it can be in this area as well. But we have to be faithful. We have to be faithful in living this life and sowing that seed. Man, there are so many people, so many families that have needs that only God can meet. You know what? You very well may not be able to do a single thing for them. But God can. And God will use you. He will use your prayers and your encouragement. He'll use the gospel seed if you'll let him. You know, I was looking at the back of our prayer list, reviewing it and praying over that multitude of names. And as I was looking, I saw those that were recovering from serious surgery. I saw those that were recovering from serious injury. I saw stroke victims. A large number of people who are battling cancer. I continued to look down that list and I, I saw those suffering from physical affliction, the likes I'd never seen. I continued to pray and I, I saw people who are brokenhearted. Because they lost a loved one, a family member that they dearly loved. I saw those that are struggling in their senior years. And they all need a touch from us. Those are God-given opportunities for ministry. And they're too numerous to count. Somebody might say, dang, Bill, your community is plagued with problems. I said, no, it's just an opportunity-rich environment. Amen? The opportunities for ministry are incredibly rich. And God calls on his people to reach beyond these walls and reach into living rooms to make a difference. In Jesus' name. There are many unsaved lost sinners just a few minutes drive from here. They don't have what many of you have. They don't have any hope. They don't have the promise of heaven. If they died today, listen carefully, they would be suffering excruciating Torment, not just for the weekend, not just for a year, but for all eternity. Do you want that? Do I want that? Do I want that when it's in my power to avoid it? See, I believe that many, not all, but many people in our world, many people in our community... I just am naive to believe that, that if they would respond to Jesus if we would do our part. If we would just do what we're called to do, they would respond to Christ. Not all of them, but many of them. If we would just reach out to them, if we would just minister to them in the name of Jesus, they'd respond. So, Lord, help me. 
Help me to live from day to day in a self-forgetful kind of way. That even when I kneel to pray, my prayers shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you, I do the same for others. And when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven has begun, may I forget that crown I won because I'm so busy thinking of others. Others, Lord. Yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I might live like thee. When we live for others, we will go. The tears will flow. The seed will be sown, and I promise you the harvest will be shown. And you will grow. And the body of Christ will grow. So my quest, request to you today is will you commit seven hours this year? Seven hours over the course of seven months because we only do it during daylight savings time. Seven hours and seven months to live for others just like Jesus. Seven hours, seven months. And we're strict. Come 7 o'clock, we're done. We start at 6, we end at 7, that's it. If you will, take that card. Fill that out. Check what you want to do. Check how you want to be Jesus to others. Check it out. And during this decision time, I've heard a lot of people say, Brother Bill, I don't make enough money to give an offering, but I'll just make sure that I give of other things. This is your opportunity to give of your time. Just place that offering here at the foot of the cross. Teenagers too. You know what? A teenager is going to be able to reach a teenager a lot better than I can. Will you do it? Will you be Jesus to others? Maybe you're one of the many in our community they don't have a relationship with God that comes through Jesus Christ. This is also your opportunity to have that. You can leave here knowing, knowing that you have a relationship with God that comes through faith and surrender to Jesus Christ. I've made my decision. Brother Howe has made his decision. Now it's your decision. And I want to pray for you.